Yates on Sunday on News Talk. Brought to you by SSE Electricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland. Energy at work for you. As usual, to start off with, we're joined by our three-person panel to discuss the stories in the morning newspapers, to review the week gone by and preview the week ahead. On one side of the table here is the Fianna Fáil TD for Carla Kilkenny's constituency for the past 20 years, since 97. He's the current spokesperson on small business and regulatory framework. He is, of course, former chairman of the Public Accounts Committee and now chair of the Finance, Public Expenditure and Reform Committee, um, uh, good morning to you, John. I suppose like any self-respecting Kilkenny man, you can't show your head in Kilkenny because the yellow bellies dispatched uh, uh, Kilkenny and are in the hurling final. Is that what brings you to Dublin? Yeah, yeah. Very little to do from now until next June because of what happened last <laughs> last week at Wexford. But anyway, there you go. Alongside John is the former Labour Senator. Uh, she also worked for many years in the BBC and Granada's TV's World in Action. Her programme Money for Nothing resulted in the Beef Tribunal. She also made the programme Sins of the Fathers, the first to reveal abuse of children by Catholic priests. She's now back working as a broadcaster, investigative journalist. Susan, you're most welcome. Proper BBC trained, not like the muck artists here in Diggs Lane. I know, I, I don't really know how to cope. Ivan, but I'll do my best. It is Easter Sunday and I'm sure you're going to give us some chocolate at the end. Indeed, indeed. Uh, we're uh, taking the view this week that we've replaced Christ with chocolate, uh, the Easter that's in it. And on the far side of the counter is the co-author of the book Dark Secrets, all about the Kerry Babies, a story which many listeners not be, may be aware of. 33 years ago, it shows how old he is himself. I'm referring to the proverbial Easter bunny himself, parliamentary correspondent with the Irish Times, founder of the Gooch Appreciation Society and proud Kerryman, still licking himself after Dublin were robbed in Croker. How are you today, Michael? I'm very well, Ivan. How are you? Great to see you back again. Thank you. When do you go and leave again to come back again? <laughs> <laughs> this is just out of curiosity, John, and Susan and myself just wondering, I'm, I'm just when in are you the going door. to I'm come just back? in the door. I'm oh, just in the door. Yeah. Okay. Great to see you, Ivan. <laughs> Flicking through the front pages of the Sunday papers, uh, Trump, uh, Kim Jong-un, uh, North Korea features on the front page of two of the uh, Sunday <laughs> Papers. The Sunday Times goes with Trump quotes ready to strike Kim's nuclear sites uh, on the brink. They also have a, a poll which will come to later showing a bit of a resurgence for Fine Gael at the expense of Sinn Féin. Uh, the Sunday Independent goes with Trump again. This is an interview Neve Horne has with Eric Trump, son of Donald J. Trump, world will be a safer place because of dad. We'll be probing that. And a 1700-word uh, Column written by Alan Shatter, which is pretty poisonous against Enda Kenny. He's calling, um, he says that Kenny is running, has no moral compass, and he's <coughs> running Fine Gael like a semi secret society, misusing power, he alleges. The Mail on Sunday goes with my PhD is fake. This is a celebrity psychologist. And the Sunday Business Post, as you heard on the new head, news headlines, um, have a story about Glenn, the LGBT group, new chief executive to quit after making a disclosure to charities regulator. Uh, Glenn have been in touch with us to say that this was a voluntary uh, disclosure they made, not something that the regulator uh, found out about. But the CEO is to step down. Now, well, the week that was suddenly brought to a conclusion on Thursday, the water saga. Let's hear from the line minister, Simon Coveney, in the Dáil during the week. I want to thank uh, Fianna Fáil in particular uh, for their willingness to commit to a process nine months ago 
and to follow through on that process. I think it is a victory for sensible politics. Sensible politics, John McGuinness. Can, can I put it to you, that, and, and I want to thank Harry McGee for this, um, the, the regulator originally said a quota of water for an individual was 345 litres. What sensible politics has now given us is a quota of 589 litres. And that means every day you could do the following things. Flush your toilet 12 times, put on four loads of washing, take a bath, have four showers, use dishwasher dishwasher twice, wash your teeth six minutes with the water running, four buckets of water for washing the car, and washing machine, eight loads of washing. I put it to you, this is not sensible politics. This is a farce in relation to conservation and a farce in relation to investment in water. No, it, it isn't sensible politics. And generally speaking, in terms of the water debate at the formation of government and the water debate over the last uh, number of weeks has just been a political fudge um, to keep things going. The real issue about water was not tackled at all, which is the cost uh, of Irish water, which is where this debate actually stemmed from. It stemmed from the abuses within Irish water, the fact that in up to 2016 it had cost the state 2.6 billion euro of taxpayers' money, uh, not to mention the millions that were collected from uh, the charges initially. Uh, and that wasn't addressed at all. So this doll and new politics does not address the issues. It, it addresses the perception. But the real issues have yet to be addressed because the legislation uh, will come after the summer in relation to this. And when that legislation is brought forward, it will have been written by civil servants and by the minister who have no interest in the deal that has been done. So the water charges, in, or the water issue, uh, in my opinion, uh, is far from resolved and will re-emerge again when the debate commences about the legislation. But John, I, I, and you're very skilled at kind of creating distance between yourself and Clear Blue Water and the Fianna Fáil party. I have to put it to you that you, you have to take some responsibility for this because de facto... Everything that's now decided is underwritten by Fianna Fáil. If Fianna Fáil are not wearing something, it's not going to happen. If Fianna Fáil flip a bit and say, well, this is what we'll agree to, that's the outcome. I mean, Fianna Fáil essentially were the authors of this final deal. I, I don't. I, they were part of authors of the final deal. And that is the problem with new politics. Um, and I'm not creating a distance between me and Fianna Fáil. I'm creating a distance between me and new politics. I have never agreed with it. It is a function to keep the government uh, in, uh, to keep a government uh, here for the country. Uh, but as much as Fianna Fáil has changed its attitude towards water, Fine Gael has. So what you're getting really is not the policy that Fine Gael were elected on, not Fianna Fáil policy. You're getting a mismatch of policies in order to keep this government going for another few months. That's not necessarily the right policy for the state and how it should function. But it's what we're living with right now in politics. Uh, Susan O'Keefe, uh, the Labour Party paid a very high price in the general election for a hole in the line on water. 63% of households actually paid for their domestic water supply. What do you think of the final outcome here? A refund for everybody, uh, nobody to pay for water, um, and this mess over the particular, in the front page of the Sunday Times, this 20 million that was paid in a, 
water conservation grant, uh, which is now irrecoverable, the 100 euro. What do you make of it all? Well, if ever there was a mess, this is a mess. But I have to say that to listen to John, you know, it's to, this deal between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael is to keep Fine Gael in power. It's also to make sure that Fianna Fáil uh, doesn't have to face a general election till it's darn ready to do so. And, and Fianna Fáil is every bit as culpable in making these decisions to keep this government in power because it suits Fianna Fáil. But leave that aside for a second. The issue of water in Ireland, anyone would think we don't need it by the way this has gone on. You know, go into any big factory, any food factory, any pharmaceutical factory, the things that we rely on, any hotel, any B&B for tourism, any hospital, any school. You know, we need a supply of fresh, clean water. God knows it wasn't too much to ask for that we would have in the 21st century a modern infrastructure that could supply water, especially as we've seen this week uh, with the census figures showing, you know, the population is rising, more people are moving in this direction towards the East Coast. What are we going to do when there isn't enough clean, fresh water? This row will rumble on and on and on. And I accept mistakes were made when Irish water was established. I accept that mistakes were made in the previous government and acknowledge, you know, that I was a member uh, of the Labour party at that time. Who actually promised in 2011, you remember, what was it, Frankworth's way or Gilmore's way or whatever, that they actually promised at that stage there'd be no water rates. Yes, that's true. But here we are now facing into a situation where we have not resolved. In that I do agree with John. This is going to drag on. The idea that water, you know, that people who got their conservation charge, that that money is lost, uh, that Irish water stays, but now as you listed out yourself, you know, you could use all the water you liked forever and really not pay anything. It is simply incomprehensible in the 21st century that we have a government that's been more interested in holding on to power and avoiding an election than fixing water that we need and will need. We need to do this right now. And on top of that, the Environmental Protection Agency this week talking about the huge problems facing our environment and the fact that we're going to be in breach of any number of EU regulations. And water will certainly form part of that platform too. So wherever you look, this is a monumental mess. I, I, I'm, I'm lost for words. Um, Michael, you're rubbing shoulders in the corridors of power with these uh, politicians every day of the week. Is this a victory for sensible politics? No, it's not. And I was in the doll the other night, Ivan, <coughs> covering Simon Coveney's speech. This was a disgraceful week for Irish politics. Not the first we've had. I'm sure it isn't the last. John is right in one respect. This new politics is a farce. Fianna Fáil have done more U-turns in this than you have done in terms of career <coughs> choices. Ah, now, be fair. We'll part that for the moment, <laughs> only for the moment. Uh, this was a disgraceful week for politics. Uh, uh, this is a, marriage, a political marriage of convenience between Fine Gael, who wanted to be in government, between Fianna Fáil, who, and in fairness to John and others, they questioned it, uh, who want now, for the moment, to be in opposition on the basis that they might yet get into government. It's astonishing that in the lead-up to the formation of a government... You had hours and hours of talks about water uh, charges. Uh, And this week as well, you had hours and hours, days, and politicians running out to the plinth in front of Leinster House to give briefings to the media at a time when you have children homeless and in, in cramped hotel rooms and you have people on trolleys. Not one thing the Irish politicians did this week Uh, helped to get one person off a trolley or to get children who are uh, uh, incarcerated in hotel rooms out of it and into decent housing. But 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 it's the nature of politics now, uh, Michael, that there is never a decision made. I mean, when when you look at the the votes in the Dáil, they do not lead to a decision. 
And as a result of that, it is the civil servants that are fully running the country, while all of the political parties, including my own, play politics with huge issues like water, like housing and everything else. And yes, it is an arrangement between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael to get a government for whatever reason. And by the but way, the John, country, I think, sorry, I think the country needs a government. On this, by the the way, country needs a government, and and the polls in the Times, I think today, yes, tell absolutely. us that even if there was an election tomorrow morning, it still would be uh, uh, a hung doll. Now we have to find a way of making real decisions instead of wasting money debating things that that the outcome we know will be completely different when a minister decides, actually, I'm going to take a decision on this and to hell with it. But the promise was for new politics. This is not it. It's not new politics. but but the the promise was. But the people decided. The people decided on who would be elected to the Dáil. And it was up to the government of the day or the opposition of the day, as they are, to deliver real new politics. But nobody wants to enter Uh, into it. Sorry, Michael, Michael, I I just want to say, in, in fairness, is not the problem that the country is ungovernable. In other words, that what happened here was that Paul Murphy won a by-election yes. in Dublin Southwest that Sinn Féin was expected to win. And then suddenly Sinn Féin were saying, well look, all our growth plans in Dublin are everywhere and Cork are going to go awry unless we swap sides on water. And then what happened was when Sinn Féin started to gain ground uh, and the right to march uh, was getting ever more popular, Fianna Fáil flip-flopped. And then the domino effect of all that was the political majority in the Dáil had moved against charging for water. Surely this can all be laid at the door of the voters. Oh no, oh no, no, Ivan, it can't. I mean, voters voters go out to vote with the best of intentions and... Uh, They're full of irresponsibility. Uh, no, they want no, free no, water. No, 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 don't, don't, don't blame the Irish people for this. Blame the You pe- think we've the smartest electorate in the world? I think we've a very good electorate. I think we've a very clever electorate. I think we've a very good electorate. We've a very decent electorate. They've been let down by politicians. You're quite right. I covered that by election. I'll never forget the day out of the Con Centre in Dublin Southwest when a nation faced a uh, member of Sinn Féin came up to me and he says, and he says to me, we ain't going to win this. He says, Paul Murphy has won it on uh, the water charges. And of course, that spooked Sinn Féin, spooked Fianna Fáil. Uh, part, of the prob- part of the problem here, Ivan, is this. A year ago today, a short distance from here, the politicians gathered uh, outside the GPO uh, for, you know, the centenary of the 1916. And they promised a new world. By the way, Pierce and Connolly would have vomited outside the GPO, when the, if they came back and saw the homelessness problems, uh, the soup kitchen, which had to be removed from near the GPO to make way for the ceremonies, came back, by the way, on the Tuesday after Easter. All this new... Po- oh, it was all nonsense. Fianna Fáil had an opportunity to move forward, Lamas like uh, and go into a coalition government with Fine Gael and apply themselves for the good of the country. They didn't. They took a cynical was, view. Okay, they can, they can, took can, the cynical view that if we stay in opposition, can, it'll can, maximise our okay, chances down can, the road. Can, can, on the substantive issue, you've all said this solution is not sustainable over the next decade. Uh, I'd like to ask you, what do you think is a sustainable solution? Like my own view is, and I see there's a piece in today's paper in relation to that the TV licence is becoming uncollectible. Why not put everything into the local property tax, which is A, 
collected by the revenue commissioners. Unlike Irish Water, unlike Unpost, unlike RTE, you know, the revenue collect- uh, commissioners get their pound of flesh. It's a huge tax. It's, you know, it's on average five or six hundred per household. And, and therefore, if we have due tax systems, this going back to the old rates in the 70s and so on, one to pay for your water, to pay for your all the other things, uh, local property tax, because it strikes me that the one solution the politicians haven't dealt with is that we know the cost of providing water and sanitary services is about a billion a year to invest properly in it. That's the sort of figure that, that Irish Water have come up with. What do you all think is the, if this is the wrong solution, what is the sustainable solution? Yeah, I, I mean, I do agree that local, the, you know, the revenue is best placed. It's years of experience and knows how to do it. Why not? Uh, go down that road. We absolutely have to collect it and it absolutely has to be uh, taxes that are recognised to be ring-fenced for water, for investment in water, uh, for the future of the water infrastructure. We are not going to have enough water on the East Coast in the next 10 years unless there's a, a, a whole new piece of infrastructure built and then all around the country where there are still boil notices and dangers to water and so on. So clearly something has to give Interestingly enough, when you were going back there talking about Paul Murphy, I was reminded of of one of the things that might have saved it at the last time was a referendum on keeping uh, water in public ownership. And that was something that was discussed during the last government. It was never progressed. And in my view, it's back. I know it's been back on the table again. It was the one thing that would have stopped, I believe, the march uh, of the of the the right to water people, and it would have prevented the the continuing row that all that Fine Gael ever wanted was to privatise water, as has been done in many other countries. So the model of privatisation is not one that I would ever have wished to have seen. Uh, I don't think many other people in this country would either. I don't think that's part of the sustainability factor. But we are going to have to face up to something because once there are charges and an organisation called Irish Water, the danger is that it could be uh, privatised if there isn't a referendum, as there should have been in the last government. Whether it's public or privatised, we still have to pay for it. Currently, we're paying for it. And and I think the referendum is just nonsense. I agree with that, actually. It's just nonsense. It's a cover for the state. And, And what we have here is the revenue, yes, they've been very successful in collecting taxes, very successful in collecting the other uh, taxes that have been put on them by the Department of the Environment to collect. And the reason why they they are so successful is because they take their job seriously and they want to do it and they've been exceptional at it. The other arms of the state are not exceptional at it. So what we have is, for example, a commissioner that's in trouble. We have Jonathan Sugarman during the week giving his version of the banking inquiry. He wasn't even asked. We have Morris McKay. And the critical point about John Sugarman is that he was a risk assessor of bank lending. Is that the point? He, he was a risk assessor. And when it came to dealing with the banking inquiry, instead of calling the risk assessors into the, into the space, they ignore them. And the, the people st- and who that's are what most the pivotal to the bubble uh, issue. Yes, yeah, yeah. and that's what the state does. It ignores the reality. And at some stage, that bubble is going to burst and someone has to pay for it. And that's what and I dislike about the war Fianna Fianna Because we heard several times that rural Fianna Fáil TDs weren't happy with this free-for-all that, that, that was looking like it was going to come in. Uh, is there a divide in Fianna Fáil? Or there, do you all support... No, there's a recognition that there's a divide in the country in that this will suit... that they, No water charges will suit urban dwellers. And that's a political... You know, you have to be conscious of that. Mm-hmm. And then you have those that are paying for their water and sewage through their schemes. They're being asked to pay while the others don't pay. Then you have half the people on water meters 
and now they're not going to meet her elsewhere. Now, I'm not saying that they should. I'm saying that there is a better way, and the better way is better management, more transparency, and insisting that departments okay, do their job gonna, like revenue. We're going to take a break. Final uh, word to you, Michael. There's a political, water. Uh, the, yes, and there's a political uh, dimension to this, Ivan. Today's Sunday Times poll is Fine Gael at 29%, Fianna Fáil at 28%, mind you, 10 uh, points ahead of Sinn Féin. There's an interesting aspect to this. Fianna Fáil is unravelling in this... Uh, uh, this uh, niche they have care for them in Irish politics. It's tragic to witness a once great party, a radical party of the 1930s, a radical party of the 1960s, now decaying in opposition. Much more radical, by the way, than your one-time friends in Common Gael, I have to say, Ivan. And what a lot of... Uh, John may or may not confirm this, what a lot of people are talking to me this week, privately in Leinster House, is they're questioning the leadership of Micheál Martin. OK, thank you. You're listening to Yates on Sunday. We're talking to Michael O'Regan, Susan O'Keefe and John McGuinness. Well, that's enough about the politics of Irish water. It almost sounds like some sort of crap movie. Coming to cinemas this Easter... It's the story that gripped the nation. Uh, motion will be confined to two rounds, and the second round shall be confined to the members of the Special Committee on the Future Funding of Water uh, Services. Uh, well, grip might be a bit strong, but it is kind of important. I want to thank Fall in particular. I think it is a victory for sensible politics. Starring Michael Fassbender as Simon Coveney. If he refuses to legislate, it's him that's tearing it up and it's him that's bringing down the government. Casey Affleck as Barry Cowan. The only concern, obviously, that I have when it comes to water is that we uh, embark on a set of policy decisions that actually make sense. Jake Gyllenhaal as Leo Varadkar. Baffled and bewildered by how the government is making this up as we go along. Kevin Spacey as Micheál Martin. Deputy Micheál Martin proposed that there be a charge for water. Steve Martin is Enda Kenny. The great Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael stitch-up on water charges. Toby Maguire as Owen O'Brien. People are rising up to resist the send-a-clear message for this water. And a special guest appearance by Moby as Paul Murphy. Coming to a cinema near you Irish water world. It costs a fortune. It's a massive waste of time. But we made it anyway. Welcome back. Ivan here. My panel today, Michael O'Regan of the Irish Times, Susan O'Keefe and John McGuinness of Fianna Fáil. Well, if the last session of the Dáil was preoccupied with water... I think it's a fair wager that the next session of the Dáil between now and the summer recess, when it resumes after Easter, will be the question of who will be Taoiseach, the Fine Gael succession race. Uh, Michael, set the scene for us. Um, the Taoiseach came back from Washington and said that he would make a definitive statement uh, in or around after the 29th of April because Article 50 was triggered a fortnight later than was anticipated the meeting is taking place of the EU summit on the 29th of April is, is it your expectation and the consensus inside Leinster House that he would step down as Fine Gael leader uh, at that time facilitating a leadership contest in FG which would take two or three weeks but stay on as Taoiseach Yes, uh, it's accepted now that after the April the 29th meet, the EU meeting, <coughs> which the Taoiseach the will attend, that he will come back to the parliamentary party and he will stand down. Then you will have a three-week campaign 
I would say boiling down to a contest between um, uh, two people, Simon Coveney and the um, Minister for Social Protection. Uh, you so don't think Enda might look into his heart and no, find that he's badly needed uh, again? I, I, I don't think so, no. <laughs> I, and I, I don't think that would work for him either, Ivan, because... You I think, think the game is up? I think <laughs> the game is up. I think that what would happen if he decided to stay on is that the men and women in the so-called grey suits, so to speak... Uh, would have go, had enough. Yes, and they would go to him privately. Some of them supporters of his, by the way, and would say to him, look... You have to stand down, and uh, this is a contest now between Leo Varadkar and Simon Coveney. Uh, that'll last about three weeks. By the way, it's going to be a very, very difficult one to call, Ivan, be- as you know, because uh, apart from the parliamentary party, you're going to have votes this time for councillors and grassroots. Now, trying to predict how they'll vote is absolutely impossible. You may have a councillor, for instance, who might loathe the site of his or her local TD and decide to vote the opposite way. Your members of the grassroots will exercise their own minds. But... We are now witnessing the beginning of the end of Enda Kenny's reign as Taoiseach. Very successful reign, and I think he'll go out with dignity. There is an interesting development to copper fasten that view. Uh, Finian McGrath, who often lets the cat out of the bag, I see in page four of the Mail on Sunday, has done an interview about his own first hundred days and all the different things he's done uh, for disabled uh, people and so on. Enda will quit in a couple of weeks um, and 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 uh, that seems to be an insight yes. that he's got directly. Even, even those who are uh, strong supporters of his, and Mr. Kenny has quite a level of support within the. Sure, didn't uh, he give them all jobs? Uh, precisely, <laughs> uh, uh, and those who even think their jobs might be on the line with a new leader in Taoiseach now accept that he's going to go. And of course, during those three weeks, jobs will tell a lot. I mean. Uh, Simon and Leo will be promising junior ministers. And it's not just a, a, a slot in opposition front bench, it's actual real ministries. <laughs> Absolutely. <he's given. laughs> Absolutely. Uh, su- su- Susan, from where you stand, I mean, Enda Kenny has been leader of the Fine Gael Party for some 16 years. One inference you can take from today's poll, uh, which mightn't be good news for the Labour Party or for anyone else, is that Fine Gael went up eight or nine points. Um, is this the sign of a potential bounce of Fine Gael from a post-Enda leadership? Yeah, I mean, all opinion polls, as we all know, are terrifically unpredictable. And particularly at the moment, there's so much at play. Uh, politics is in flux, I would say, uh, both globally and locally. Uh, I think that Enda Kenny will go. And I think this is a bit of a bounce because everybody knows, well, there'll be a fresh face whoever, whichever of them is, and perhaps there'll be a dark horse joining the race, for all we know. Somebody might be able to steal a march through the middle between between Vradker and Coveney. Who knows? Um, but certainly Enda Kenny has had his, you know, six years or so as Taoiseach. If you think back to February 2011 when he became the Taoiseach, it was a different country. There are still enormous problems, and Michael has referred earlier on to the uh, at least one, the homeless crisis. Uh, but it is a different country to what it was in, in 2011. And I, he probably will exit with, with some dignity, uh, but his time is definitely up. And even just from being in Leinster House very briefly in the last couple of weeks, uh, people are going around saying, you know, time to go, time to go, time to go. Even those people who might have been comfortable up until now say the change has to come here and it has to happen now. But you see, will this not change the dynamic from the point of view of whatever issue came up? Garda Commissioner Irish Water, the feeling was that Enda just wanted to extend his own tenure and therefore put out the bushfire irrespective of the expediency of it and the politics of compromise. 
Whereas a new leader is going to have a completely different perspective. They know sooner or later they're facing into a general election and a combat situation with their main rival, Fianna Fáil. So do you think this will change the dynamic of this doll? Well, I, it, it absolutely must. It absolutely has to. Whoever gets the job uh, will want to make their stamp, will want to make their mark, will want to be seen quite early on to be decisive and to be capable and to be able to be their own man or woman, so to speak, and not be somebody belonging to the last era. So they won't want to be seen to be calming things. Uh, Alan Shatter, we see in today's Sunday Independent, being very critical, very, <coughs> very critical uh, of his do former colleague. Being, do you think he's been... A bit too poisonous? Do you, I mean, like, this is a man who eulogised Ender Kenny. Today he is, he is visceral and vicious against Ender Kenny, saying he's running it like a semi-secret society, that he's essentially autocratic, mm. that everything is predicated about Ender's own survival and to hell with the country. Do you think... Uh, like, we all accept that Shatter was, was done an injustice in the final phase yeah. of his enforced resignation, but is he... Is he Carrying it too yeah, far. It, do, it does seem to me. I mean, you have to read it in that guy, in that light. That this is Alan Shatter talking about his now enemy, it's, it's, it's bile. Kenny. It does feel like bile. Uh, I'm, I have to say, surprised because Alan Shatter, you know, has a reputation for being an intelligent man, for being a capable man, for being an extraordinary and a legalistic worker, man, legal mind. But I, I, I did find it. Uh, verging on the edge of bile. But there are some truths in as far as Enda Kenny has been trying to cope with some of the bushfires, as you called them, to keep himself upright in his job. The bushfires will change once he changes and watching somebody new coping with the guards, the homeless crisis, water, Already, whoever takes on the job has huge things coming down the track at them, not to mind all the banana <coughs> skins, all the inquiries. It's not for the faint-hearted, that's for sure. John, uh, what, what do you think a change of Taoiseach and change of, of, of Fine Gael leader will have on the... What impact will it have on this confidence and supply arrangement? I think that there's a lot of, um, particularly backbench TDs, but some ministers and junior ministers uh, who are fed up with playing the game as it's now set out in Leinster House and they want to reassert the party, uh, Fine Gael and its core values and so on and that's what Alan Shatter mentions in part of his uh, article today and I disagree um, with you know the, the um, condemnation of some aspects of this, of this um, uh, article because what he's describing is the reality in politics you get in, as, as Bertie says, and your, your, your first priority is to stay in. And essentially how Kenny is running his party is how I've seen parties in Leinster House right across the political divide behave. You agree so, with Chatter? Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what he said. Not, not necessarily all of it. It does border a little bit in places on violence. I, I accept that. Uh, but the new leader of, of Fine Gael, be it Coveney or Radiker, I think will bring a whole new dynamic uh, to how they approach government. And they will not take... Uh, an awful lot of what has been dished out up to now they will not take it they will want to reassert themselves because and the, the critical issue will not like I would say the critical issue for Enda because he's not going to lead them into election was avoiding an election at all costs a new leader will have a different yeah, that's prospect. what he had to yeah. do a new yeah. leader will want to put forward their policies they'll be quite different I think than, than in, in their approach than what we've seen to date that will cause conflict uh, and certainly for me and others in Fianna Fáil you know, we'll react to that I think uh, and then you you will have a far uh, edgier exchange in the Dáil between both parties 
it's bad enough as it is in terms of the relationship and I think that that will be the end an election sooner oh, rather oh, than well, later that, That's what a very point I want to get on What does it tell us about the timing of the next election from this point of view that there's two ways you could look at it from a Fianna Fáil perspective One is that okay new leader will get a bit of a honeymoon get a bit of a bounce but sure, maybe let them stew in his own juice for a number of months and the gloss will go off them as difficult issues on pay and other issues come along. Uh, or you could take the view, hold on a minute, let's take him out soonest. Which yeah. do you think might prevail? I think um, soonest. I, I, I think that there's so many cans that have been kicked down the road now that are just waiting there to be dealt with. And there are so many big issues like... You know, you, you have the, the whole uh, semi-state organisations that are in trouble right across the board. Corrections have to be made in relation to the budget and health. And I think that a leader of uh, Fine Gael will want to take those on uh, head on. And you cannot do that in the current but, but, but state I'm interested of from politics. You, is, is the Fianna Fáil perspective. Do you but, think Micheál Martin will come under pressure from the grassroots of Fianna Fáil to say, look, if we continue to, whatever about, you know, in the first year, because it's, it's a year old uh, new politics of not wanting an immediate country plunged into an election. As time goes by, do they not fa- face the possibility of Fianna Fáil of cross-contamination? If the government's unpopular, Fianna Fáil will become well, that's, more that's unpopular. That's where we are now in terms of cross-contamination and how much more of that uh, can we put up with and I would suggest not much more and it's similar in Fine Gael. they don't want to lose either so from a Fianna Fáil perspective I would think that yet yeah, they're committed to three budgets as it st- states in the supply and confidence and so on but there will be many obstacles between now and the next budget in October that may trigger an election OK Michael I want to put this to you Surely the substantive issue is, let's fast forward to September, October, and we have a general election. And and we all know that if you go through the 40 constituencies and you do a bit of punditry and you look at the polls, the combined total of FG and FF is somewhere between 50 and 60%. It probably looks like neither Fianna Fáil nor Fine Gael could form a government either on their own or with anyone bar the other civil war partner. Surely the substantive issue is, and this is the serious issue. The public cannot allow both parties to go into an election without explaining, which they got away with in the last election, of how they might share power constructively. Because you have the challenge of Brexit and so on. So whether that's a grand coalition, whether that's a rotating Taoiseach, whether it's, you know, a more explicit arrangement of sharing power on a, on a sort of consensual basis, surely that is the national challenge. And if you look at the figures, 500,000 people oscillate in one election between Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, And that tells you there's not a cigarette paper between them in policy. Uh, <coughs> I think you're absolutely right, Ivan. And well, this will dominate the next election, not water charges. Uh, important as an all, uh, the issue is to uh, 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 many people. But uh, I think stability in government will define the next general election campaign. And that de facto means having a majority Pres- in the Yes, exactly. And uh, I think the mistake made by Michal Martin and Fianna Fáil was not to go for the Grand Coalition the last time. It might have been difficult to get through in Ardish. It might not, actually. But sure, it'd be uh, easier for Fianna Fáil if they were the largest part. Yeah, but uh, just say Fianna Fáil go from 44 to yes. 54 and Fine Gael slip a bit, I think Fianna Fáil would be a lot more in love with the Grand of, Coalition of course, of, if of, they were on of top of the bed. And by the way, don't, and my colleague Fiat Kelly wrote about this in the Irish Times yesterday, don't rule out, for all, the, for all they're saying at the moment, don't rule out a Fianna Fáil Sinn Féin coalition with Mary Lou MacDonald, leader of Sinn Féin. Uh, Sinn Féin is... Do you gag- think it would have the numbers? 
Well, it, it, it would mean that the it, Fianna Fáil would yes, have to get well over 50 would, and Sinn Féin would have to get over 30. You, you could have a Fianna Fáil, Sinn Féin independence coalition. They, they just might cobble together the numbers. But certainly, uh, if Fianna Fáil were the bigger party, they would then look to Fine Gael. And of course, whoever would be the new leader of Fine Gael might just decide but, but not to go back to do you think Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael can get through a three-week campaign without explicitly saying what they're going they to do post-election about Precisely. each other? They can't. Uh, it's, it's going to be the first question. Because they waffled through it they, in the they last election. They waffled through it in the last election, you're quite right. It'll be the first question asked about the media and the last question until they put it to bed as an issue. They can't, because I think a lot of people are disgusted by what's going on at the moment. There's no real work being done on the doll. You have these sitting hours. Of course, they took two weeks for Easter. Uh, you have these uh, tsunami of private members' motions and bills that will never see the light of day. S- Susan, people want real government. Susan, with your journalistic hat on, mm. and not as a, 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 a Labour Party member, it is quite common across Europe for to have this thing that, that there isn't one party rule and different people get into bed together and they seem to be able to provide stable government. What do you think is going to be the sweet spot of a stable government vis-a-vis Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil? Well, I, I have to say, I think Michael might be right when he says don't, don't rule out Sinn Féin. I know you didn't ask me that question, but I wouldn't rule them out, particularly if they can manoeuvre whatever they're manoeuvring uh, in the Northern Ireland talks at the moment. I mean, they are in stalemate at the moment, but they have their eye on a longer prize and they are thinking about the next election here as much as they're thinking about how they can... And they want uh, to be in government. Uh, they, they want, they to, want be government. to be in government, and, but they want, to get the, they want to get the right deal in Northern Ireland if they can, and they've been holding their ground there for the last number of weeks since, since the um, assembly elections. Uh, in terms of, of Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, I'm still not sure that they're ready uh, to share power. I, mean, I still don't. But it really goes back no, to the civil war. It, it, no, I know it does, but but it's almost like you have to get to that point that they have to feel it in their bones, in their DNA. And I don't believe they do either party yet. I think okay, we may well, have to sit through another kerfuffle okay, of a okay, okay, two questions there, John. What do, is the difference between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael? I don't have some hard question. I, I, I no, I have said time and time again that there's not the thickness of a ballot paper between the two parties. Okay, so what's that. how should they share power? And I, I hope that the next election is all about that. Who mm. you will share power with, what will happen with Sinn Féin, what will happen with Fine Gael and so on. And I think that that is a reasonable and good discussion, a good debate for a general election and we should have it. And the sooner that and what's we have your own it, preference? what's your own preference? A grand coalition or what? Coalition. Uh, a stable, the, the, a standard stable coalition yeah, right. for for the country of, of a, parity of esteem with, of equality. Yes, yes, with a set of policies that will be in, in the interest of the country. I think that that is absolutely essential. And remember this: over the last few months uh, since this government or since this arrangement was formed, people have been watching Fine Gael putting forward motions and being defeated, and then at the end voting for a Fianna Fáil motion, and it has gone round the clock like that. So people are beginning to be well more than informed, not just about the little difference between the parties, including the Labour Party, I may add, but also the differences that can be buried in the context of getting into a coalition to have a government. Okay, the interests of the I'm country. Going to take, has to be uh, okay, well, so, um, quick answer, each of you. Uh, will it be Coveney? Will it be Leo? I don't think myself it'll be beyond those two. Uh, 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 and and what like you know who do you think will win? Very long shot as of now, Ivan. I think it'll be Coveney. Coveney. Radiker. Okay. And I think Radiker as well is going to win. If I was having a bet, I think 10 to 11 is good odds. Now, they are top of the league. It's not just because they are fresh. It was also because they have individual quality and because they have collective quality. They have a certain style of play 
They stick to it. They do it very well. That was, of course, the special one, Jose Mourinho, there before he leads Man United against Chelsea today at four o'clock. Of course, it's live here on News Talk Off the Ball, along with the earlier match, West Brom against Liverpool. We'll be speaking to Phil Thomas Thompson about that in the next hour, and we'll also preview the National Hurling League semi-finals with Nicky English in studio. Still with me in studio at the moment are our <coughs> Easter Sunday panel, Michael O'Regan, Susan O'Keefe and John McGuinness. I've asked them to pick out something from the paper that caught their eye. I want to start with you, Susan. You're concerned in relation to uh, the North Korean situation. Um, There's an interview with Eric Trump in the Sunday Independent, and the Sunday Times goes big on uh, brinkmanship on both sides between uh, Kim Jong-un and Trump. I mean, I'm no specialist, obviously, in this area, and I don't wish to set myself up as one. But I do think it's an interesting thing. Trump has been in power for less than the so-called 100 days and yet the world suddenly seems incredibly fragile, particularly in relation to North Korea. The last place you'd be looking to call down any kind of argument with is North Korea, given that Kim Jong-un himself is not exactly the most stable of leaders. Uh, and and so we find ourselves suddenly with, you know, on the brink of war, US um, uh, uh, ships sailing into the Korean Peninsula, an armada of US ships sailing to the peninsula, pressure being put on China to try to rein uh, Kim Jong-un in. Uh, we have two men with extraordinary haircuts, it seems to me, an extraordinary mindset. Well, Trump has the best come-over uh, in world that's politics. True. But, uh, no, but they no, are, they are but, but is there not a other? serious point, which is this? There's a very for, 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 for many years, this despot in North Korea has been threatening his neighbour in South Korea. Is it not time, instead of huffing and puffing in a ritualistic way, that someone actually does something about him? Sure. You've uh, got uh, to lance uh, the boil. Yeah, well, there's an argument for lancing the boil. and But if you're going to lance the boil, would you do it that soon, having taken office? Would you not need a little bit more time to plan it. Are it they seems not trying to, to force China into action? Well, they are trying. That's part of the strategy, clearly. And as I said, I'm, I'm no expert. But it just does now feel to me as if uh, perhaps <coughs> Donald Trump has bitten off uh, more than he can chew here. Will he get it wrong? Will he lance the boil or will he cause I, something greater than that? I get the point that? of fear about that he's erratic. I get yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that but, point. But is there not another point is that North Korea is slowly but surely building up a nuclear arsenal. Is it better maybe not to deal with it before it becomes lethal? I'm not I'm not a specialist, as I said. I don't know whether it ought to be dealt with, but it feels to me, and I'm sure there are other people who would agree, as if it's too soon, too early, and listening to the US Air Force chief tweeting, the fight's on, here are we being driven by tweets or by strategy? Now, um, Michael, you're old enough to remember the Cuban Missile Crisis. You were uh, intimately involved <coughs> in that. Remember when I I remember when Kennedy was shot. Anyway, <coughs> I, I've been making the point that uh, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and the centrepiece of uh, Easter has turned into chocolate. Christ into chocolate, because it's now Easter eggs and Easter bunnies and all that kind of thing. Are we living in, in reality? a post-Catholic Ireland, or not? We are living in a post-Catholic Ireland. Rory Quinn got into a lot of trouble some years ago when he said that. (laughs) That's not a cheap shot at the Catholic Church. But we are, because you have Pope Francis, for instance, asking for forgiveness for the church scandals. You have the Archbishop of Dublin, who I think is the great voice of Catholic Ireland now, uh, talking about a censorial church. We are. And it's brought out, Justine McCarthy, uh, people like Justine and Susan have done marvellous work over the years in unearthing that hidden Ireland, that Ireland of the Magdalene Lord, <coughs> the laundries, the Artanes, all that. 
um, Justine is writing today about Elizabeth, Elizabeth Ann O'Dwyer, the only child of an unmarried West of Ireland woman who placed her in an orphanage at six years of age. On reaching fifth class, she was removed from school and sent to, va- sent to various Magdalen laundries to serve as an unpaid skivvy. Now, against that... This was a sister of Justine's. No, no, no. Sir. no uh, Ju- Justine has already spoken uh, on radio and written about her own sister, yes. who was a single mother right. in the 1970s. But she's writing about who today? She, she's writing about a woman called Elizabeth uh, Anne O'Dwyer. Okay. Uh, uh, West of Ireland one. Now, against that, you have, of course, uh, uh, the, 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 the Catholic Church domination of Irish society is over. It's long over. And one of Enda Kenny's finest moments never given sufficient credit for, was in the aftermath of the Klein report when he finally, finally ended that link between church and state. Johnny Costello, back in the 1940s, sending a telegram to Rome, we repose at the feet of your holiness. Uh, The great radical Sean McBride sending a grovelling letter to the then Archbishop of Dublin, John Charles McQuaid, even by the standards of the time. Appalling. Actually, Fianna Fáil, to their credit, were less... Uh, j- Could j- I put it to you now, even before less? you get too carried away, yeah. Irish Times style, that, you know, that's that's like taking credit after the match is over. <coughs> Garrett Fitzgerald, in his constitutional crusade about making a secular Ireland, actually did the hard yards back in the 80s of, of changing public attitudes about the Catholic Church when it was neither popular nor profitable. He did, but against that, against that, and I find myself now having berated Fianna Fáil earlier, go back to the 1960s where Dunnock O'Malley took on the Catholic Church in the area of education, for instance, uh, the amalgamation of Trinity College and UCD, uh, opposed by McQuaid. So uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't. No, I'm saying it's easy to kick the Catholic Church course, now. It, oh, of course it is. Now, against that, I've, and you're right in that sense. I, I'm taken by a quote from <laughs> Ronan Mullen, the senator today, in the Business Post, where he says, and this, a lot of Catholics offended by all uh, the scandals of the church. And he says, and this, I think, will have resonance with Catholics. He says, no Catholic that I know wants to be in denial about anything bad that went on in the past. You can't be truthful about yourself or others unless you tell things exactly as they were, which is fair comment. Okay. It's fair comment, but it's not true. John, I think that John, the church, yes? I think that the church, you know, is, is moving that way and having maybe to be dragged that way. Yes. And the sooner that we have a, a far more open and transparent church acknowledging what happened in the past, with the state having to acknowledge their role as well, because that, that it was a central role in terms of the church. So we have a very different Catholic church, but that's not to say that the church is not needed. Um, there, there, there are lots of Church of Ireland, Catholics and so on around the country that have devotion to their church and to their religion. Right. And they, they have a right... See, now, Ivan is like the rest of them, dismissing that. No, no. That, 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 that is hugely important for people. No, sorry, but sorry. Anyone can have any... We have religious yeah. freedom in this country yes. to have it. But having the state run on that basis, like on Good Friday, I can't go into a betting shop, I can't go into a <coughs> pub, is an effing disgrace in my mind. But, but anyway... I don't mind someone spending all day in church on Friday... But don't tell me what I should be doing on a Friday because things are closed. But that, I want to come that's to a accepted, final point. Uh, the, the final point I want. Fianna Fáil urges friendly vulture fund for distressed mortgages. Anama, God help us, for mortgage holders. This is a private member's bill being put forward by a, a, a John McGuinness TD. What's this about, John? <laughs> we wanted to have a fund whereby the uh, friendly uh, vulture fund can uh, take advantage of the bank selling homes that rather than them selling to a vulture fund that will inevitably throw them out of the house uh, at some stage or other, that we keep people in their homes, that we allow them to pay their rent 
or to pay a mortgage, but that they no longer get evicted. That can be funded by government bonds, the credit union are interested in it, and it's about time that we did it for the many thousands Has of people. Has this horse not already bolted? No, the vulture funds are in possession of oh, all these. Vulture funds are in possession of some of them. I see AIB sold some, some uh, to in, Goldman in, Sachs this week. Yeah. yeah. And what we need to do is we need to protect those that want to stay in their own home and to give them a future in their own home because there are thousands of people that will come before the courts this year acknowledged by all of the banks that that is what is going to have to happen. And we have to have something in place to save them. We've saved the banks and I don't see any reason why we can't turn around and save ordinary people that are there with a fund that makes sense. Okay, um, just a few texts I want to bring you before uh, we finish up with our panel. Uh, new politics is just a more cack-handed way of doing old politics, says Dara in Cork. And if Ivan is predicting Vragkar, then it's the odds will tumble on Coveney. Well, thank you for that. I want to thank our panel. Fortunately, another discerning listener. <laughs> Indeed. Michael <coughs> O'Regan, um, who will be sounding as righteous as ever in the Irish Times this week. Uh, thank you for joining us. Susan O'Keefe, we wish you well in your new non-labour career <coughs> as an investigative journalist and John McGuinness uh, um, what should we say ploughing a loan furrow uh, from a separate a se- a from the Fianna Fáil member Fáil of Fianna a semi-detached uh, member from Fianna Fáil, but I'd say he's available to be a Fianna Fáil minister but waiting uh, for if, Kilkenny to do better exactly exactly well if the yellow bellies have anything to do with uh, that will be a long wait hopefully Yates on Sunday on News Talk brought to you by SSE Airtricity Business Energy Proud to power businesses all over Ireland. Energy at work for you.